Christmas. Would you pray with me? Our Heavenly Father, we do ask you to speak to us through your holy word, through your true word. Lord, we, we pray for our time today, and not just today, Lord, but every day that we would be followers of you, disciples of you, growing in the knowledge of you, growing in our love and affection for you. Lord, may that be what drives us, what motivates us, what stirs us. Lord, that the king of the universe loves us. Lord, may we rejoice in that. Lord, I pray for our time in your word this morning that it be edifying and encouraging and challenging. Lord, I pray that we can hold on to the good and cast off the bad. Lord, may we rejoice and delight in you daily. In Jesus' name, amen. When my wife and I were away for a couple of weeks, first to Alabama to visit her family, then to Ohio to visit mine, one of the days we took out our, our nephew to breakfast, and I, I prayed. He's four years old. I prayed, and at the end I said, Amen. And he goes to a, like a Christian preschool, and he corrected me. He said, It's Amen. <laughs> and I said, I forget, where did you go to seminary? I didn't, I didn't say that. I didn't say that. I just thought it. <laughs> but... Uh, yeah, Christmas time. So we were guests with my family. I'm sure most of you were either hosted guests or were guests. And when you host people for Christmas, it can be stressful with, with all that there is to the holiday. Getting the house clean, cleaner than it normally is. Shopping for food, preparing food, shopping for presents, finding time to wrap presents. And on top of all of that, trying to have the energy to, to be social and to be around people. It can be stressful. Now, imagine if your guest was Jesus. And that's what we'll see in our passage this morning as Jesus, it's not Christmas time, but goes to share a meal with a family. Luke chapter 10, verses 38 to 42. So I'll read that now. Now, as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving. And she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things. But one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion which will not be taken away from her. It's an interesting passage. It's a challenging passage. It's a passage that I think is meant to make us question why we do what we do, where our heart is, where our priorities are. Very briefly, a little bit of background about this passage. Three people are mentioned in the story, Jesus, Martha, and Mary. Martha and Mary are sisters. Now, there's several Marys mentioned in the Gospels. There's Mary, the mother of Jesus. That's not this Mary. There's Mary Magdalene, also not this Mary. This is Mary from Bethany, or as I like to call her, Mary Beth. <laughs> this specific event in Luke 10 is found only in the Gospel of Luke. But Martha and Mary are mentioned elsewhere in the New Testament. In John chapter 11, they have a brother named Lazarus who dies. 
They seek Jesus, and Jesus comes, and he raises Lazarus from the dead. In John 12, he again has a meal with this family. We'll talk about that a little bit more later on. That event is also referenced in the Gospels of Matthew and Mark. So Jesus has a relationship with this family. Jesus loves this family. And as we've seen, they invite Jesus over to Martha's house for dinner. And that's where we'll pick up in our passage. Main idea of this passage, and this is really just taken directly from the text, Jesus is the one necessary thing which will not be taken away. So beginning in verse 38. Now, as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. Every culture has different expectations about hospitality. I mentioned Christmas a few minutes ago, but regardless of the time of year, when someone comes into your home, you want to be a good host. You want to take care of your guests. You want to make your guests feel welcome. And so Martha is trying to be a good host. Verse 39, and she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. Sitting at the feet of your teacher shows discipleship. It's taking a position of humility. It's lowering yourself before your teacher. It's putting yourself in close proximity so that you can give your teacher your full and undivided attention. Mary has the Lord Jesus in her midst, and she's not going to waste the opportunity. She's there to hear the words of Christ. Verse 40, but Martha was distracted with much serving. And she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. Martha was distracted. But think about it for a moment from Martha's perspective. Again, she's just trying to be a good host. Jesus is at her house. Wouldn't you want to be a good host too? Wouldn't you want to impress him too? Wouldn't you want him to think well of you too? You'd make the best meal you had. You'd have the carpet shampooed. Every Bible you owned would be out and on display. (laughs) It's not that Martha doesn't want to be with Jesus also, but she wants to serve him first. And Martha's thinking, if my sister Mary wasn't just so lazy, I'd actually have more time to sit with him. But no, Mary just sitting around. For anyone who has siblings, Mary's clearly the younger one. Not a care in the world, just hanging out. Pots and pans clanging in the kitchen. Martha slamming cabinets so they know how hard she's working. Martha muttering things under her breath. Oh, she's just so lazy. This is mom's birthday all over again, or whatever she's saying. Mary's not doing anything to be helpful. And so Martha decides to go up the chain of command. Maybe, this is just speculation, maybe she doesn't expect that that Mary will listen to her asking for help. So she asks Jesus to tell Mary to help her. Lord, do you not care? Probably not the best icebreaker. She looks at Jesus' teaching and Mary sitting and receiving the teachings from Jesus And Martha rebukes Jesus. Do you not care? Do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. Tell her to stop being so lazy. 
I don't know if Martha was expecting Jesus to, to take her side and tell Mary to help out. Again, in some ways, it's hard to not feel some sympathy for Martha. A lot of us are Martha's. She just wants to be a good host. But she's not being a good host. She's not enjoying herself. She's kind of causing a scene. Verse 41. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things. But one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. Jesus responds with gentleness. He says, Martha, Martha. He's he's using endearing language. You are anxious and troubled about many things. We don't know specifically what the many things were about which she was troubled. We don't need to know. What matters is that Mary was focused on the one thing. She's focused on Jesus. Mary has chosen the one necessary thing. She's chosen Jesus and his word, the better portion that will not be taken away from her. So many of the things that we make a big deal of aren't necessarily things that we'll really care that much about in the long term. So many of us get so stressed about things that are comparatively minor that once they're over with, we'll forget about. And I can prove it because who here is just constantly stressed and frustrated? Do you remember everything that stresses you out? No. Why? Because you forget about those things once they're over. And there's Jesus. There's this promise of grace and forgiveness, the most precious thing, the most glorious truth, something which will not be taken away from you. What we need is the word of God. Knowing Jesus is where it all begins. At the feet of our teacher is where it all begins. Every day. You'll never be as effective at serving the Lord if you're not first following the Lord. If you're not being renewed and refreshed in the Lord. Psalm 1. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates day and night. Having a love for the word of God. Mary was at the feet of her teacher, Jesus And that's where we can be. Now, it might be easy for you to think, yeah, but Mary was actually with Jesus. We aren't. But Jesus invites us into a relationship. Are you getting to know him? 1 John 5, 20. And we know that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding so that we may know him who is true. And we are in him who is true in his Son, Jesus Christ, He is the true God in eternal life. Philippians 3.8. I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. God invites us to know him. True life and meaning come from knowing Jesus. Knowing the grace that he offers. God so loved the world. That he give his one and only son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. 
God promises that he will never leave us or forsake us. Psalm 100 verse 5 says, For the Lord is good and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. God's promise is to complete the work that he has done in us through Christ. Philippians 1 6. He who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Christ Jesus. And on and on and on. The word of God and what it means, and what it means to our lives, and what it is God doing in the world. And those are just a few examples. What do those things mean to you? Are they precious treasures to you? Do they lead you to the worship of the Lord, to a greater affection for God? Or today, do they not really mean all that much? Maybe you look at those promises and think, well, yeah, in the future, that, that'll matter to me. But in reality, today, you're so stressed out and frustrated by everything else you've got to worry about, that you're thinking about. It's tough sometimes. I'm not trying to make anybody feel bad. But if God's goodness and God's word isn't stirring your love for God, Are you focusing on the one necessary thing? Mary has chosen Jesus and is sitting at his feet. She has chosen to hear the word of God. And God's word is just as true for you and you and you as it is for Mary. Listening to Jesus, being with Jesus. The one necessary thing that will not be taken away. Jesus and his word. Jesus tells Martha that she's worried about many things. He doesn't say that those things don't matter. He doesn't say that those things are insignificant. But that Mary has chosen the only thing that's truly necessary. She's chosen the most important thing. The point isn't to condemn Martha, but to show us that Mary has chosen that which is better. Because we so often get sidetracked in the kitchen or the office, or the church. And take our focus off of the one necessary thing. Serving Jesus, it needs to be from the overflow of knowing Jesus. It needs to be from the overflow of our love for Jesus. Of course we need to serve. Of course we need to do good work in our lives, in our families, in our jobs, in our ministry. We need to tend to others, to care for others. And Luke 10, the preceding section, is the parable of the Good Samaritan. It's important to love people and to help people. But you have to take care of yourself, too. You have to tend to your spiritual needs, too. You have to maintain your own relationship with Jesus, too. We won't be as effective if we're not also spiritually healthy. When Carrie and I were away for Christmas for the last couple weeks, we had to take five different flights between here and going down south and going to Ohio and coming back. So I had to sit through five different safety demonstrations on the planes. And for anybody who's ever flown and who pays attention, you know that in the unlikely event that the oxygen masks drop down, before you help anybody else put their oxygen mask, their oxygen mask on, that you're supposed to put your mask on first. 
because hypoxia sets in quickly when the air pressure drops. And if you don't take care of yourself first, you won't be able to breathe and can pass out. So you have to put it on yourself first. We need to focus on Jesus first. We need to grow spiritually and have a good relationship with Jesus first. You need the air that Jesus gives before he can help someone else breathe. You need the water that Jesus offers before you can help someone else drink. You need to feed yourself first with the food that Jesus prepares before you can serve someone else. You need to follow Jesus well before you can serve others well. That's why Jesus commends Mary, because she's chosen the better portion. Martha misses out in this story. She's not enjoying Jesus as she should be. And that's a true shame. But it happens all the time. It's so simple, but we often make it so complicated. Because we have opportunities every day to enjoy Jesus, to meet with Jesus, to be still and sit with Jesus. How many days do we waste caught up in our own projects, distracted by many things, when where we should be is starting with Jesus? Jesus isn't primarily concerned with hospitality and a perfect meal when he visits Martha and Mary. Martha imposed that on herself. We sometimes get so caught up and frustrated because we're overcomplicating things by doing a bunch of stuff that we never had to do in the first place. We sometimes make things harder than they need to be. Lots of different reasons for that. Maybe some of these apply to you. Sometimes we're people pleasers. And we get stressed because we put too much stock into what others think. Or of wanting to be liked. Or wanting to impress people. Or wanting to be praised. We can be obsessed about what others think about us. With others thinking well of us. But we can run ourselves ragged doing that. Some of us can be kind of perfectionistic. Or we like a sense of control and then get frustrated when things don't go to our plans. Some of us aren't good at saying no to things. As Christians, sometimes it can make us feel really guilty to say no to things. Learn to. It's good to serve. But it's not good to serve and to spread yourself too thin So thin that you're not taking care of yourself also. There is no virtue in exhaustion. There can be a lot of good motivations to do good things, but not all are so good. I think it's important to examine our own hearts and the motivations for why we do what we do. And certainly that doesn't only apply to service. It applies to how we work, how we study, how we interact with people. It applies to the accomplishments we pursue, to the goals that we have. Are we driven by wanting our own glory? Do we need to feel like we measure up to someone else? Again, I'm not saying that all of these things apply to all of us. But it can be a challenge. Because work and service are good things. But because they're good things, I think we can lose sight of the fact that sometimes the reasons for why we do what we do aren't always the best. 
or aren't always the most healthy. Because there can be all sorts of people who we exhaust ourselves trying to impress. And none of them are as important as Jesus. Your parents aren't as important as Jesus. Your in-laws aren't as important as Jesus. Your spouse isn't as important as Jesus. Your neighbor, who seems to always have it so much more together, isn't as important as Jesus. Your co-workers aren't as important as Jesus. But it can be hard. It can be exhausting. Because the people with whom we interact aren't as gracious as Jesus. But what you need to remember is that what any of these people think about you is not the most important thing in your life. I need to make everything seem perfect in your life or perfect in your family. It's not the most important thing in your life. I need to impress people or to live up to someone else's standard should not be the most important thing in your life. But it can be the temptation. That's focusing on many things. Whereas our identity is rooted in Christ and no place else. First John 1.12 But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Jesus accepts us. He welcomes us. He invites us to know him. He invites us to sit at his feet and to hear his word. Our acceptance is not about our performance or how well we do. Jesus is gracious. He gives us the right to be God's children. God sees us when we are in Christ, and he sees the righteousness that Jesus has accomplished for us. Matthew 11, uh, verses 28 to 30. Jesus says, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart. And you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. He invites us into a relationship so that we can know him, not so that we can impress him. Mary had chosen the good portion. She chose to sit with Jesus. That's where we must begin. Not saying that we should spend so much time in prayer or studying the Bible that we're never serving or reaching out to people. It's not usually the issue, though, anyway, is it? Here, Mary sits at the feet of Jesus, but later on, she will serve him. I referenced this passage earlier, but in John 12, the family's having dinner. They invite Jesus over again. John chapter 12, verses 2 and 3. So they gave a dinner for him there. Martha served, obviously. And Lazarus was one of those reclining with him at the table. Mary, therefore, took a pound of expensive ointment made from pure nard and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair. The house was filled with the fragrance and perfume. When that same event is referenced in the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus says, In pouring this ointment out on my body, what she has done is to prepare me for my burial. Truly, I say to you, wherever this gospel is proclaimed in the whole world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. Mary served Jesus in a very significant way. But the things that she is doing 
revolve around Jesus. She knows him and serves him. There needs to be balance. Again, all Christians are called to serve. James, the brother of Jesus, said that faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. And Jesus said, whatever you did for the least of these, you did for me. Serving others is serving Jesus. But there still needs to be balance. Jesus serves. He washes his disciples' feet. He heals the sick and gives sight to the blind. Jesus had time for people. But he wasn't controlled by the whims of those around him. In John 11, when Jesus hears that Lazarus, the brother of Martha and Mary, is dying, he waits two more days before going there. Jesus took time away from people to go pray. He took naps. Jesus ate meals with people. He gave teachings that totally offended the sensibilities of his time. He made statements that were clearly going to draw criticism from the religious leaders. He spoke truth even when it wasn't popular. He flipped over tables in the temple. He told the Pharisees at one point that they didn't even really know God. Jesus served people. Jesus had time for people. But he also didn't get fed up when others weren't helping. He also wasn't in the kitchen complaining because he was so tired and frustrated. He wasn't a people pleaser who was trapped in what others thought about him. He was the opposite. He was crucified. Our spiritual and emotional health matter. Are you Martha or Mary? Do you take time to care for yourself, to tend to your own spiritual needs? To spend time with Jesus? It can be so easy to feel like you don't have time. But the times when you don't feel like you have time, time to sit with Jesus, time to pray, time to be quiet for a few moments, those are the times where you're, where you're so busy are especially the times where you need to be with Jesus. Yet so often that's the first thing that gets pushed to the background. It needs to be what our lives revolve around. It needs to be the first consideration of how we utilize our time. It needs to be the oxygen that we breathe before we do anything else. It's the last Sunday of 2018. As we approach 2019, I want to challenge you and encourage you to make time for Jesus daily, to sit with Jesus daily. It's so obvious. It's so simple, yet often so elusive. So obvious, but often so missed, so neglected. But before we do anything else, we need to start at the feet of Jesus. Daily. Walking with the Lord. Being with the Lord. Where's your starting place? Is it in the kitchen? Or is it at the feet of Jesus? Where is your focus? Is it on many things? Or is it on one thing? 
Who are you? Are you Martha? Or are you Mary? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I pray for each of us here. Lord, if anyone doesn't know you, I pray that they would. I pray that they would know your gospel, that we are sinners separated from you, but you have made a way, that you are gracious, that you invite us into a relationship. Lord, I pray for us today that we would pursue you, that we would know you, Lord, that it be the greatest joy of our lives, that Jesus be the sun around which our lives orbit. Lord, let us not get caught up in the struggles and frustrations of work and family and chores and a million other distractions. But let us begin with the one necessary thing that cannot be taken away. In Jesus' name, amen.